Welcome to Bushfire Ministries podcast. I pray that you find the following talk really helpful. Be blessed. To endure. To you come back, Jesus. Amen. 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 This has uh, been a bit of a road. You know, I've had a couple of weeks off. Not uh, last week was not out of uh, choice, um, but I, I was found wanting with a bit of a bug. So I spent the night in bed and the day in bed, and I'm fully recovered. Thank God, praise the Lord, and uh, it's good to be back. It's good to be back. But just a couple of things. Just one thing, really. Uh, on your seats, there is this. It's. Uh, um, with Barry Manson's church, Karis, and uh, we said that we would support it. Um, so we will not be having a meeting in two weeks' time uh, here. We will be down at, uh, at, the, at, the, at the address on here. It's uh, Antioch Church, but Karis share it. Um, I don't know these people personally. I've not got a clue really what they're about, apart from they're part of the Global Awakening with... Uh, um, Randy Clark, um, but Barry Manson and, and uh, uh, has, has agreed to have them, so we're going to support them because we we have a relationship with Barry, me and Heidi, and some of you do. Uh, but also want to welcome FB if he's listening, because we have Jake, his son, and Cat. Uh, if you're listening, we've got Jake sat here on the front row. He's uh, from Northern Ireland, folks, I hope you've made yourself known to him. Jake, he's gone all red on the front. Uh, he's going to be with us on Sunday. But Jake's come as, just to come here to, to spend a few days with us. Uh, and we love him. He's part of our family. Um, he's teaching Joshua all these tricks of Minecraft and all these other things. And poor old Jake had to get out tonight just to have a rest from Joshua. <laughs> but uh, we love having you here, Jake. And FB in, if you, in the United Arab Emirates and Cat back in uh, Northern Ireland. You know, we just love you and, and wish you were here, but part of you is here. So we give you thanks for that. Um, but we're now on to the final chapter of Daniel, and it's bang on, just a few minutes past eight. So it's always good to, for me to check on time, so I don't, we'll finish by about ten. So we'll be all right, we've got plenty of time. Oh, no, no, we don't want to do that. But here we have it. We're on the final chapter. I just did a quick uh, word count on just my notes from chapter 7 till now. It's almost 40,000 words on just my notes. 40,000 words just on notes. So, uh, and we haven't even finished. But it's getting exciting. For me, I mean, I had a drop in my spirit yesterday of revelation that I've been praying about and looking for for months because I knew that we would reach chapter 12 and, you know, and get to the, to the real core issues because we've seen some incredible prophecy in Daniel and it's pure prophecy, pure prophecy. Um, and one of the things that, you know, that dropped into my spirit, I'm going to bring in maybe a few weeks' time. We've got three talks left. I've divided chapter 12 into three parts because there is just so much in it that I don't want to unpack it just in one go or even two. I just want to spend my time unpacking what Daniel is saying to us. Because from Daniel chapter eleven thirty-five, right up to Daniel 12, chapter 13, 
is for our age. He's talking to us today. And I will prove tonight that we literally are living in the end times, the end day. We haven't got long to go, folks. We haven't got long to go. We've got maybe a few years left. We've got some time. Um, But I'm a little bit tired of listening to people saying, well, you know, when it gets really bad, we're going to be out of here. We ain't. Daniel points to that. Daniel tells us that we're not going to be out of this. We've got a fight on our hands. But we've got to remember tonight and all the way through the book of Daniel that God is in control. He is sovereign. He has got the devil exactly where he wants him. He's got him on a lead. And he's saying, you can only go this way and you can only go that way. But when you go too far, I'm going to yank you back. Isn't that great to know? Isn't that fantastic to know? And we are the apple of God's eyes. We are, as I keep saying, the object of his love. And if he is for us, then who can be against us? No weapon formed against us can prosper. Isn't that right? Right? No weapon formed against us can prosper. No weapon formed against us can prosper. And he that's in me is greater, certainly, than he that's in this world. And this is going to become a reality, not just in words, but in action as well. There is going to be a voice, a, a voice on this earth with such authority before the Lord comes back. And that's going to be his bride. That's going to be us. And that will get me in a lot of trouble. Just for the pure fact, I will say, I will absolutely slay this religious sacred cow on religion. Listen, the church, the whole church is not the bride. It cannot be the same. How you have overcome things, how you have gone through struggles, have you gone through strifes, instead of just sitting in a nice church every Sunday, nice and snug and comfortable. And I can't do that. I've got to go higher. I've got to go, I've got to go for as much of God as I possibly can. And so must you. And that's what qualifies us, is our love for him to go higher. So here we are, just as a reminder, chapter 1, Daniel. That's happening in 530 BC. We've got to remember, Daniel was telling us things four or five hundred years before they have ever happened and getting it bang on right. Bang on right. It is pure prophecy. So here we have Daniel in chapter 1 setting the scene. Daniel's capture and his refusal to eat the king's food at the table. And we know the story going into chapter 2. Tells us about Nebuchadnezzar's second dream. About the head of gold, etc. And Daniel's interpretation and its whole meaning. He prophesies pure prophecy. Five different kingdoms about to come on the earth, including the one that he's in with Babylon. But there's a sixth. A kingdom that has no end. And it's called Jesus. Jesus' kingdom without any end. And Daniel prophesies this in chapter 2. Chapter 3, we have the golden image and Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego refusing to bow down at this golden image. They're getting cast into the fire and they come out unscathed. Why? Because Jesus says when we're going through times of trouble, he is going to be with us in that fire. Folks, Daniel is alluding. The fact is we're going to go through some fire. But we're not going to be burnt. In fact, we're going to come out of this smelling of heaven, not of, not of fire. And all the bondages that we've had, the same as when they chucked Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego into the fire, so as we, it's a symbolic thing of prophecy that we're going to be chucked into fire, but we're going to be completely burned of all of our bondage. Isn't that great to know? That God's about to deliver us from all bondage that we've been carrying. 
and it's called the Holy Spirit. The fire of God is going to start hitting some of us. Most of us here will be hit by this fire without a shadow of a doubt. How many people want the fire? Because God, don't we need it? We need the Holy Spirit fire. We need, we need the fire of God to start coming and burning in us, burning with a passion that we can't shut up. No matter what they do to us, we cannot shut up about this. And then we see that the fact that Daniel completely gets the whole interpretation 100% right. And we can only know that by standing here today, looking at our history books, following it out one by one by one. You know, and, and it goes, it's brilliant. Chapter 3. Chapter 4 tells us about Nebuchadnezzar's dream and the tree. And, and that's, uh, that, he's, that he has this tree, uh, dream about the tree that's going to be chopped off. It's talking about Nebuchadnezzar himself. And Daniel interprets us. But he says it'll only be for a while. And we know that, that Nebuchadnezzar lost his mind. And for a time and a season, he was left in the, in the fields just chomping on the grasses. Like an animal. And that was quite fun doing. Uh, chapter 5 was Belshazzar with the writing on the wall. Can you remember this hand appears and, and basically says, it's your time. And as they sat in this feasting place, he didn't even know it, but the Persians and the Medes had undermined underneath the walls of Babylon, which they thought were absolutely impossible. But we know that night, Belshazzar and his kingdom fell down and he lost his life that night. It's writing on the wall. It's pure prophecy again. It's amazing, pure prophecy. Daniel chapter 6 and the lion's den and the end of Nebuchadnezzar's reign. And I believe Nebuchadnezzar was saved. Why? Because of Daniel's complete and utter commitment to the Most High God. When you have an opinion of the Most High God, that he is the Most High God, kings will bow before that throne. And we can either choose to bow now or there's going to be a time when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. I'd rather do it now, don't you? I'd rather do it now. And then we have Daniel 7, the four beasts coming out of the sea. This is pure prophecy. The beast coming out of the sea. And what's sea symbolized? Can you remember? What does it mean? Sea of people. It's the, the sea of humanity. Um, and then we see that the, the, this beast, the four beasts, the first one was the lion with wings. It's talking about Babylon. Then we see the bear on two legs with one leg upraised. In other words, there was two kingdoms, the Medes and the Persians, and eventually the Persians would be higher than the Medes, and that's the, the meaning of that. Then we see the leopard, which talks about Alexander the Great and his kingdom. Matt's probably going right now, Jake, he got it right, Alexander because they scream at me every time I get a, a name wrong. Then we see the beast, which it talks, there's this horrible beast with, with <laughs> teeth of iron, and it's speaking about the Roman kingdom, the Roman Empire. And then this is all pure prophecy. And we see this going right away from 530 BC, right the way through to, to 146 BC, which is basically going up to the, the rise of the Roman Empire where the Roman Empire defeated the Carthaginians from the north of Africa in the three wars called the Punic Wars. And uh, Daniel prophesies, he sees all of this happening. And then we see in chapter 8, the vision of the ram, which represents Persia, being attacked by the goat, which represents Greece, and the rise and the, well, the fall of the Persian Empire with the rise of Alexander the Great and the Greek Empire. Then we see um, the death of Alexander the Great and the establishment of the four kingdoms and the rise of Antiochus Epiphanes. Yes. Another one. 
got to be a first, it's got to be a first. And, 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 and Daniel in, in chapter 8 literally prophesies the type of Antichrist that we will see, the type of person in Antichrist epiph- epiphanies that, 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 when, that he is a type of Antichrist that we will face. And the things that he did, the Antichrist will do also. And again, it's pure prophecy. Chapter 9, Daniel's amazing prayer, one of the most um, powerful prayers in the Bible, in my opinion. One of the most powerful. How to get your prayers answered in one hit. Because what happens straight after the, uh, the prayer, Daniel, uh, Gabriel appears and said, yeah, I've been sent from the throne of God. Your prayers were heard from the first time, but it took Gabriel time. He was held up in the, in the third heavens by the, the king of Persia, the prince of Persia, one of the, uh, uh, the principalities of that area. Still alive and kicking today, folks. The prince of Persia and the Prince of Greece are still alive in those areas today. Look at the, the trouble and the strife happening in Syria today. Who's causing all that? Who causes all the trouble and the strife with Hamas and the, and the, and the, uh, the whole thing of the Gaza Strip? Who's, who's creating all this, these missiles being fired into Israel as we speak? The Prince of Persia. He's, a, he's in control of the area, he thinks. But we know our Most High God is totally in control. He's trying to woo back Israel as his own people. So there we have, uh, then we have chapter 9 also, one of the most uh, incredible prophecies in the Bible, the 70-week prophecy. Yeah, and I took some time to unpack that. And then we see in chapter 10, the vision of man, which is Jesus and Gabriel coming to him and telling... Uh, Daniel, again, pure prophecy from the mouth of Jesus. Daniel, this is what's going to happen. And Daniel doesn't like what he's hearing. He, him, we see that he lies in bed for, for three days. But I love what it says when he, when he suddenly realizes he gets out of bed and goes about the king's business. There is going to be a body of people, you and me, that will get out, awaken from, get out of the slumber of our bed, and we will awaken and go about the king's business and start bringing his truth down on this earth, whether this earth wants it or not. Chapter 11 was the kings uh, of, the, of the north and the south and, and the fighting that will arise and still arising today of north and south. And it's happening today because where is the dividing line? It's Syria. And we're seeing the southern kingdom from Egypt and, and all through in parts of Syria and the lower part of the delta, the uprising, the Arab Spring. It's all been enacted out, folks. And if you think that is nice and settled and forgotten about, you can forget that. It's alive and kicking. This is going to escalate. This is not going to die down at all until the Antichrist comes on the scene. And then we have, just in 35 verses of chapter 11, 135 prophetic words, prophecy, in chronological order. And you can, I, I sat there and I mapped it on Wikipedia. I got a Wikipedia on one side, the book of Daniel on the other, and I mapped it out word for word. 135 prophecies side by side by Wikipedia. Who can do that? No one apart from God. No one. There's no Wiccan wannabes. There's no people reading your palms can, can bring out 135 prophecies in 35 verses. No one apart from our God. Why? Because he's our vanishing point. He's where we start and where we, we will finish. 
He is everything. He knows our past, our present, and he knows our future. And he's got it all in hand. Isn't that great to know? Isn't that fantastic to know? But here we are, chapter 12. And folks, this really is the end time chapter, the end time part for us. And it's exciting. It is so exciting. I am having to pull myself back and not jump in straight into the meat. But I'm only going to have a look at the first maybe three verses. NIV. Uh, sorry, uh, New King James. Uh, so, but I want to jump. I know it's the first three verses, but I want to jump to, chapter, to verse 4. Because it says this, and this is where I feel that we should start. But you, Daniel, shut up the book, or shut up the words, and seal the book until the time of the end. Folks, we are in the time of the end, without a doubt. Because it says, until the time of the end, many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall increase. It's a massive verse for us. It's a massive clue. But it has a twofold um, interpretation of, of what Daniel is saying here. It's got an application times two. Daniel has revealed that, that enough's enough. I'm sealing up this book. Yeah, and Daniel seals up this book at the end of this chapter, and he seals it up because it's for us. Because God says, seal up it, Daniel, because this isn't for you. This is for a time of the end. For our generation. For us. But you, Daniel, shut up the books. Seal the book until the time of the end. Verse 4. Got it? Yeah, and I said, I'm jumping to verse 4. Right. But you, Daniel, shut up the words. Seal the book until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall increase. It's a massive verse. Daniel has revealed enough to us in the book so far, you know, when we read the end of it, so that we can prepare ourselves, so that we can get ready. But he says this. He says that we will see a world ruler, a world ruler that will be utterly opposed to God. We will see a world religion that even Christians will embrace this and run to it. We will see a time of great tribulation, as the Bible says, both for Israel and the world, but also for the church. The church is not going to be immune from this. There's a film just come out, just come out, that is speaking about the rapture. And I, can't, I don't know the, the, the title of it, but it's just coming out, come out. It's going to be on our cinemas and screens shortly. And it's about the rapture. Now, I think this is going to lead many of us, apart from the people hearing here my voice, hopefully, that will, must, will not mislead us. Listen, folks, we're not going to be raptured out. As I keep saying, God has never brought his people out of a fight. He's been in the thick of it with them. Right the way through. And... Uh, but the thing I love about this, that Daniel tells us, there's deliverance for his people after the tribulation. And there is going to be a resurrection, and there's going to be a judgment, and there is going to be rewards for the righteous. Isn't that great to know? This is, this is, you, you see, we have got to know the reasons of why we're fighting. We've got to have a reason. We're not just fighting a, a, a needless battle. We're fighting a battle, why? So that we know that we're victors at the end of it. We, we don't lose this. We do not lose this war. And we don't even lose a battle. 
Because if we lose our lives, we gain it. To be out of this world is to be with him. Folks, we can't lose. We cannot lose. But somebody's got to get some light. Somebody has got to get light. But firstly, many shall run to and fro and knowledge shall increase. Here, Daniel is describing the characteristics of the time of the end and how to recognise them. And, and, I, and I'm just going to go a little bit into this because we need to re- recognise the true um, implications of what Daniel's saying here. Folks, we can get across this side, to the other side of the world within 12 hours. We can pick up our, our mobile phones, as I keep saying, and we can find out anything, anything within 30 seconds. Knowledge is increasing. But I feel that this prediction is not just being fulfilled in travel, running to and fro, and information of our modern age, I think it goes further. Because when this really starts happening, there is going to be a bunch of people running out for knowledge. And that word knowledge is not the word knowledge, the knowledge of man, it's epinosis. It's the knowledge of the spirit. There is going to be such things coming on this earth that people are going to be saying, why is this happening? Why is this happening? Why is that happened? Why is that? Why is that? Why is that? And there's going to be a, bo- a body of people that have the epinosis knowledge from heaven to explain why and what to do about it. And I also think that this whole thing of rapid form of, communi- of, of transport. Folks, I believe this. I believe, yes, it's twofold. There is going to be a bunch of people running around looking for knowledge. But we're increased in knowledge, and I'll, and I'll talk about that in a minute. Without, we've increased in knowledge incredibly. But this is what I believe. I believe this verse is also talking to us. Talking to us. That we will increase in knowledge of who? Jesus. There is going to be a body of people that will travel to and fro from where? Heaven. We will have an increase of travel to and fro, up and down from heaven, that we will increase the knowledge, the knowledge of him and bring it down on earth. Isn't that great to know? Are you pressing into that? Because I'll tell you what, in your imagination, if you can just imagine doing this, you will connect with it and you will start doing it. I've had two dreams, consecutive nights, and I can't remember last night, but in the dream I woke up when I was still in deep sleep, Dreaming, and I've dreamt twice now about weddings and wedding feasts. And I remember in the dream last night, and I can't remember the context of the wedding and, and the dream, but I remember in the dream sort of like thinking, my word, I dreamt about this last night. God speaking to us. There is a preparation of wedding happening in heaven. And some of us will go up there and see it. But we will also go up there and get the epinosis of, of knowledge from the Lord and bring it down. Because we're going to need it. With what's coming on this earth, we're going to need it. Somebody has to go and get it. And this is what I just love. You see, Daniel has been proved right in every part of this. What Daniel got from Gabriel and what Daniel got from Michael and what he heard from the word from the Lord was absolutely bang on right. And he's right in this. So what we're hearing in chapter 12, we've got to actually say, do you know what, Daniel's got it pretty well right now. He's 100% right so far. He's not going to be wrong on this. But I believe there's going to be a body of people going to and fro from heaven and increasing in knowledge of him and bring it down. 
people will start having an experience of what it was to be on that, that, that hilltop called Golgotha and seeing our Lord crucified and it will undo you. And you will not be able to preach about anything else apart from the cross and the blood. And we need to get that. We need to know the cost and the pain and the endurance that our Lord chose to come down out of his heavenly, heavenly realm onto this as just a normal, ordinary man. And to face it like you and me. But he went to that cross willingly. And I believe that we're going to get some knowledge of that and bring it down. But who's that person who's going to get the knowledge? Who's that person who's going to get up and down? Who's going to increase in the... We are, folks. It's talking about us. You and me. And I'm pressing into this. I'm pressing and I'm pressing and I'm pressing in. Why? Because I love him. And I want more of him. I want more of him that it just fills me up and expands me. So I want to, I want to explode. Explode with what? With fire. To infect others. You know, because this Ebola and stuff, you know, it can just be done with a breath coming out of somebody's mouth. What happens if the breath that comes out of your mouth gives life? And it's called the Holy Spirit. And it burns out all the chaff and all the wood and the hay and the stubble and it will leave nothing else in somebody's life apart from gold, silver and precious stones. I want some of that. I want some of that. But it will only happen to those who have made themselves ready. My question to you tonight is, are you ready? Have you made yourself ready? How do you make yourself ready? It's really simple. I'm just going to give you five things very quickly. Five things to make yourself ready. Simple. Love him with all of your heart. Go after God. If nothing of your prayers, if you pray nothing else but, Jesus, I love you with all of my heart. I just love you with every part of me. And, that is, and, and you don't say another prayer day after day after day after day, day, day after day, that this is your prayer, that you love him and go after him. I'll tell you what, his light will come on you. Guaranteed. Have you received the mark? Have you received the mark in your fall, in your, in your ear? Have you received the bondservant? Are you attentive to his call day and night, 24-7? 365 days of the year. Are you attentive to him? And I know that we live busy lives. And I know that not every day are we going to be so committing, so going after them. But, but I, you know, I'm just saying the fact is that, folks, we've, we've got to get absolutely, as much as we possibly can, full of him. Yes. We've also got to know his voice. We've got to know his voice. We've got to know when he's speaking to us. Because it says in John 10, verse 27, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. There is going to be a bunch of people that will hear God's voice, the voice of Jesus and follow and do what he ever, whatever he says to do. And it'll be John five nineteen. I can only do what I see the Father doing. There is going to be a bunch of people that will only do what they see the Father doing. They will only say what they hear, what they hear him say. But they will go out and do it. Number four, they will be seeking him and him only. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all of these things, all the cares of the world, all the things that you need will be taken care of when you seek him first. Number five, the hardest one probably that we're experiencing as church in a global is to love one another. To love one another. 
And we've, we, we saw that with Oliver coming and preaching here on Sunday, what he has been through. And do you know what? I get very saddened by what's happening in the church. We're very good at knocking people down. You know, when we hear when people in churches, you know, saying that, you know, let's crucify, you know, Rory Alec, you know, for, for doing what he's done. That ain't God. That ain't the Jesus that I know. There's sin and there's sin, folks, and we can't be frightened about calling sin, sin. But let's not crucify the sinner. Call sin, sin, but love the sinner. Because Jesus first loved us whilst we were still sinners. And it says in the word that we all fall short of the glory of God. So don't judge. You know, I, I, want, I want to get myself into a place where, you know, I'm going to give it a go. I'm going to try, you know, not, I, I, I've got to pray about it, you know, because it's a big thing. But I want to get into a place where throughout a week, if I can't say something positive, I don't want to say anything at all. I won't tell you what my wife just said. Oh, the house, the house will be quiet. But that's where, that's where I want to be. I want to be where I, I cannot think or even say something negative. I only want to do what, you know, be positive. Because I think there are three characteristics that, that his bride will carry. Not just, you know, we're going to carry nine, but the three main ones that we've got to go after is love, joy and peace. We've got to have love. We've got to have joy in our lives and we've got to have peace in our lives because what's coming on this world is going to rock a lot of people's pieces. Psalm 91. It's simple, really. But we in the West think we have it all. And it's so easy. In the West, we have it all. It is so easy. We've got banks. We've got money. We've got the opportunities to make and earn money. We've got our cars. We've got electricity. We've got reading. We've got writing. We've got education. We've got the NHS. Praise the NHS. We've got transport. We've got so much that we can just click on a button and and it's there before it. Whatever we want to know, it's there. We've got it all. We've got it all. Yet we have got so, so little. Look at your houses, folks. Just imagine if your houses didn't have electricity or running water, or gas, or fridges, or freezers, or washing machines, or TVs, or radios, or DVDs, plumbing, computers, iPads, mobile phones, iPods, vacuum cleaners, and the list can go on and on and on and on. Oh my word. We'd be saying, God, we're living in the dark ages. But you know what? Two-thirds of the world live like that. Two-thirds of the world live without clean water. Two-thirds of the world live where they don't know whether they're going to have food for the whole family on the table that night. And we take it for granted. But that is going to be shaken. I will guarantee you, with every part of me being here, that is going to be shaken. Where what happens, folks, when all of this collapses? What happens when we have to make a choice out of one of two things? Will you take the mark? Will you take the mark of the beast? Because folks, you know, what people, Christians, you know, I'll point them to that verse. If we're all zapped out of here, why would Jesus be warning us not to take the mark? If we're all zapped out. If we're not here, we're all raptured. 
Why would Jesus be warning his people not to take a mark? Because we're here. We're here. And it says that he causes, this is in Revelation 13, this is not Andy making this up, this is the word of God. Verse, uh, chapter 13, verse 16 and 17. He, which is the Antichrist, causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads, that no one may buy or sell except one who has the mark of the name of the beast or the number of his name, which we know is 666, which is the mark of man. Listen, what has these last two years of delay been about? 2012 to 2014. I'll tell you, it's for us to receive another mark. His mark. That's the only mark I want on this forehead. It's his mark. And it says this in Revelation 14. And there I looked and behold a lamb standing on Mount Zion. Mount Zion representing his people. And with him 144,000 having his father's name written on their foreheads. That's the mark I want. I want to have my father's name written, impregnated on my forehead that nothing can get it off. Nothing. They can chop my head off but it will still be there. And I heard a voice from heaven, like the voice of many waters, like the voice of a loud thunder. And he said, the sound of harpers playing their harps. They sang it as with a new song before the throne, before the four living creatures and the elders. And no one could learn that song except the 144,000 who were redeemed from the earth. This is not talking about the people of Israel. This is talking about a body of people redeemed from the earth. Chapter 7 is talking about Israel. There is going to be a body of people that are going to be so full of God's light in Israel. But this is talking about a people who are saying, God, mark my forehead. I'm yours. I'm your bondservant. Whatever you want me to do, I will do it. And we will travel to and fro in heaven. And we will hear a new song. And we will increase in knowledge. And we will come down and give it to a world that is poor, blind, pitiful, naked. And we will be the answer to a lot of what's coming on this earth. But no one could learn this song except the 144,000. I believe this is from chapter 12 of Revelation. The man-child. And these are the signs, and these are the ones who will follow the Lamb. The Lamb, we can hear His voice and follow Him. Follow the Lamb, wherever He goes. These were redeemed from amongst men. Not amongst Israel. Amongst men. Being first fruits to God. And when I saw that part in the verse, I almost leapt out of my chair today. Leapt out because of what I found yesterday. Oh my word, I wish I could bring it now, but I'm not. You're going to have to wait and come back and listen to the parts two and three of this. But you will not believe why that is there. First fruits. Remember what's one of the feasts. First fruits. We're a first fruit. We are the remnant company. We're a first fruit of what it is to be the bride of Christ. We're the first fruit. It's talking about us being a first fruit unto the Lord. We're going to be his own. And their mouths were found no deceit, for they were without fault before the throne of God. Listen, who's going to take care of you when this gets really dark? He is. 
But we've got to prepare for as much of it as we possibly can. I want to be able to light a fire no matter where I am, no matter what circumstances I find myself in, when I haven't got the, 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 the matches, I haven't got a lighter, I've got nothing else but what God has given me. I want to be able to light a fire. That's why I went on the Ray Mears course with Andrew. And I could laugh and joke and could, look, <laughs> I won't. But, but you know, I, I will look at Andrew for the rest of my days and I'll wink at him because we were in it together. We know what it's like to do bow drill first thing in the morning when it's the last thing you want to do is do your bow drill. <laughs> Trying to get an ember. And when you get the ember, you get all of your kindle that you've kept nice and dry, hung up in trees, warm by the fire. You put this ember in. <laughs> it puffs, it goes, it's going. Go. <laughs> I've got to fire going, I've got to go. Put it down and then it goes out. Oh, my word. How many times has that happened? How many times do you hear me go, ah, across the whole campsite? Ah, whole camp, I was, I was knackered. I had bicep muscles that were bigger than Arnold Schwarzenegger by the end of the week. But why? I don't take it lightly, because somebody's got to have to do it. What happens when we can't? And we haven't got matches, and we haven't. We've got to rely on, on somebody being, having this. And Andrew knows how to do it, he just needs to practice, and so do I, and keep it going. But, you know, we might be living in a community where we have to rely upon each other for the basic thing of, of, of light and fire and warmth and food and comfort and encouragement. And it's going to come from us. This is why I love, the, I love you guys. Because we're in it together. I'm not going anywhere. You're not going anywhere. Unless God tells us to. Because it's absolutely crucial what church you belong to. Absolutely crucial. Listen, how do I know? that this, I've, got, I've got a huge lot about solar flares. Anybody know about solar flares? Flares from the sun, called solar flares. that come out of the sun. One in uh, 1904 hit Canada. Uh, and it, it brought out the whole of Quebec. No electricity. It closed down everything. They didn't have a lot of electricity, thank God. But let me tell you, solar flares are getting closer and closer and closer to us. I've got... During the past... This is October the 22nd when I did this. During the past 20, 48 hours, a monster sunspot was unleashed. Seven M-class solar flares. They're huge. They're bigger than... They're, they're 100,000 times bigger than the nuclear bomb that was dropped in Hiroshima and Nagasaki. 100 to 1,000 times bigger, these ones. The most powerful of the bunch, October the 22nd, was an M9-class eruption that almost crossed the threshold into X territory. NASA's Solar Dynamics Observatory recorded the extreme ultraviolet flash. Folks, it's getting closer. This is what I'm trying to tell you. It is getting so close to coming to Earth. And when one of those solar flares hits our electricity pylon in this country, it will close all the electricity down in this country. How will you get money out of your ATM? I'm being honest. How will you start your computer to go to the bank and say, can you, well, I'm sorry, but we've got no electricity, we can't. Are you preparing for that? Because it's coming. It will happen, and it could happen any day. And all God is doing is giving us a warning, heads up. 
And I could go on of the UV radiation from the flare, ionized Earth's upper, upper, upper atmosphere, causing a brief blackout of HF radio communication on the day side of the Earth. In other words, it was parts of Asia and Australia. In addition, the explosion might have hurled a CME into space. Confirmation awaits the arrival of some data from the solar, the blah, 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 and it goes on and on and on. And then it says, more flares are in the offing. This is October the 22nd, 2015. More flares are in the offering. Every night, a network of NASA or sky cameras scan the skies above the United States for meteoric fireballs. And daily results are as presented on a spaceweather.com. You can go on and find this. It's on NASA's website. Go and check it out. What about near-Earth asteroids? Listen, asteroids are getting closer to this Earth. Listen to this. October the 18th, 2014. That was last month. Uh, October the 18th, two asteroids came very close to hitting the Earth. One was 60 metres, the other one was 21 metres. October the 22nd, another one came very close to Earth on the size of 27 metres. When these things hit us, they are going to be, it's going to be literally like a thousand Hiroshima's going off. Just one asteroid hitting us. And they're getting close. Because look, first one is 4.5. I haven't got time to... 4.5 LD, it's, it's, it's a distance. And if you want to know the distance, 1 LD is 384,000 kilometers or thereabouts, 1 LD, right? That is, that is close. 4 is close. But look, in, in 1998, in October the, uh, November the 18th, there was one, right? Remember ours is now getting 4.5, this one was 73.9 LD miles away, kilometers away, a massive amount. In June of uh, 2003, it was 52.4, and it's getting closer and closer and closer and closer. Till now, on October the 18th, it was 4.5. These things are going to hit us. These things are going to hit us. And why? God's judgment. And you can go, I, I can give you the website, so you can go and check this out yourself. Go on to the NA, the NOAA Space Weather Prediction Center, the official US government space weather bureau, the atmospheric optics, the solar, solar dynamics observatories, and this is all from the Hubble. In space is another one. Daniel is our end time book, and he's pointing to all of these things coming on this earth. And they will come on this earth. But Psalm 91, I'll only observe them with my eyes. It will not touch our house. Why? Because we have made him the shelter of the Most High that will cover us in this time with his wings. Isn't that great? Isn't that comforting? No matter what this earth has been thrown at. And we're going to see, you're going to see with your eyes some incredible things that will... And Daniel again tells us that it will almost... In fact, many hearts will give up old men and old women, or young men and young women will have heart attacks with what they're about to see. What's going to happen when all this goes off? You see, I'm not trying to win popular votes. You can see by my message, I'm not up here to win popular votes. I'm just trying to warn a people to enable that they can prepare for what's coming on. We've got to do our bit, folks. We can't just sit back and just say, God's going to look after me. 
That's what they might have said when they started seeing the rains coming down. But Noah had to work day after day, year after year, preparing the ark. And we have to prepare ourselves. We have got some preparation to do. And we have not got a lot of time in which to do it. But we've got to start to do it. We've got to start positioning ourselves. But we've got to start positioning to get some light. Because many people perish through what? Lack of knowledge. That word knowledge is epinosis. It's not the knowledge of man. We've got the knowledge of man. It's the epinosis, the knowledge of God. And if you want to read, I'll tell you, one of the most powerful chapters that goes alongside all of this is from Jesus in Matthew 24. Just read the whole of Matthew 24 and just see what he says. But we know Matthew 24, verse 32 to 34, talks about the fig tree, which we know is Israel. That when we see Israel being established back in its own lands, by no means will this generation pass away. We're living in this generation. It's our time, folks. This is us. We're about to step up the up onto the plate. Or I don't like the plate because that's too American. That's sort of like baseball. I'd rather we're stepping up to the crease. We're about to make our stand. We're about to, to kick that last goal. We're about to score the, the last drop goal and the last kick of the game. Straight between the posts for Jesus. But unless we've pre- prepared, unless we've trained for it, unless we've got ourselves ready. Who else is there going to be? Matthew 24, verse 36. But of that day and hour, no one knows. But what's to stop us knowing the times and the season? We're living in the times and season. We may not know the hour or the day, but what about the month or the year? Because it's getting close. Not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as of the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For in the days before the flood, they were eating, drinking, marrying, giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered the ark, and did not know until the flood came and took them all away. So also will the coming of the man of Son of Man be again. Folks, people are doing business as usual. Church are doing business as usual. We cannot be doing business as usual. We've got to get ourselves prepared for what God wants us to be, which is light and salt to this earth. And that's what God is doing. Because you know what? Immediately after chapter 24 of Matthew, it goes into chapter 25. And what's the first thing that Jesus preached about, teaches about? The first verse, verse 1, five foolish, five wise. First thing, so he goes about the whole of the end times and then he starts in chapter 25, verse 1, the five foolish and the five wise. I don't think that was put on by mistake. That was absolutely meant for a body of people to be prepared, no matter what happens, to be prepared. These are God's, these are God's words, not mine. These are Jesus' words, not mine. This is not a figment of my imagination. It's just that we are recognising the times that we are living in. Going back to Daniel. Daniel 12, verse 1. At that time, Michael shall stand up, the great prince who stand and watches over the sons of your people. That's Israel. Michael is Israel's guardian. He's the one that stands over. There shall be a time of trouble. Never as such was since there was a nation 
even to that time. And at that time, your people shall be delivered. No one shall be delivered. One who is found written in the book of, written in the book. See, here we have Michael turning up and Jesus turns up and Gabriel turns up to Daniel, the only man in the whole of the Bible that has all three turn up and give him this message. And he says, Daniel, seal up this book until a time. We're at that time because in this verse, time is mentioned four times. Time is of the essence. That's what God spoke to me in this. Time is of the essence. And there will be a time of great trouble. That's what Daniel is telling us, both for the Jews and for the Gentiles. But we will have the backing of heaven and a time when we will be delivered. There is a time of great trouble, but we've got to get through that time of great trouble and there is a deliverance of God's power and his strength that is going to go through a body of people. You see... We're going to be given a straight choice of whether to follow him or to follow the system, the world system. And let me tell you, many in the church will follow the system. Many will embrace this system. Because it's going to be almost too good to let go. And I always have a saying, if it's too good, then it is too good to believe. If something's too easy or too good, then it is too easy and it is too good. But the Antichrist is going to come on the scene and he is he's going to be a ticking time bomb. But before he comes on, he's going to be hoodwinking, hoodwinking a lot of people to make a choice. But most of the church don't recognise it. Why? Because they're not prepared like you and me. We're prepared. We're prepared to recognise when this man comes on the scene, we will pick it up straight away and we will not be deceived. Because God has kept us So our eyes will be opened, our ears will be opened, our minds will be opened, and our hearts will be full of him. He is having a body of people that will speak this. And we will be the Jeremiah's, we will be the Isaiah's, we will be the prophets of old, bringing this on. Because, folks, we're about to see an amazing time of revival and of reformation that we will be bringing down heaven, down onto earth, as what it was meant to be like never before. And there will be a people that will do the greater works of John 14, 12. And I keep saying, and we're going to keep saying, if not us, then who? If not now, then when? If not here, then where? God isn't giving us this message so we can just sit down on our big, on our bottoms and just say, okay, we're not going to do anything with it. God is putting us here so we can do something with it. That we can prepare. That we can say, Lord, it is us. It's me. It's now. It's here. And God will be the truth. The Antichrist will be the liar. There is going to be a body of people that are saying good is evil and evil is good. We're living in that time. They're calling things evil good. But there will be a body of people that will say, no, good is good and evil is evil. That is us. And they will even say that Jesus is bad and the devil is good. But there will be a body of people that will shout out that Jesus is good, that he is the truth. And that there will be a body of people that will stand on every mountaintop and every hill. And they will be without spot or wrinkle. Spot, which is without stain, without defect, blemish, or without any disgrace. And wrinkle, 
There will be a body of people without wrinkle that won't stretch the truth, that won't be casual with the truth, that will place everything else with the truth. That is Jesus. And they will have such a regard for the truth. But the church was seeing a disregard for the truth. That isn't me. Just read the first two, three verses, three chapters of Revelation and the seven churches, which were alive and kicking. And at that time, your people will be delivered. One who is found and written in the book. Here's my question to you. Is your name written in the book? Is your name written in the book? I had an experience, and you've heard me, maybe some of you may not have, but I had an experience when I was taken up to heaven, into the library of heaven and shown a book with my name in it. And I can't have time to go into everything, but I saw the Lord turning the pages with his fingers, with his hand. He was standing right on my right-hand side, and my name elasticated out of this book and came that far in front of my eyes. And he showed me what was written about me before, and then he showed me what was written after. I came to know the Lord. We're going to do great exploits. Remember Maccabees, chapter 11, verse 35, when they started rushing out in the streets, saying to uh, bring out Daniel's book, chapter 11, verse, says, there will be a body of people in this time of Antichus, Epiphanes, where there will be a body of people doing great exploits. There is going to be a body of people now on earth doing great exploits. That's you and me. That is you and me. That is you and me. That is you and me. Why? Listen, folks, when we stand before the Lord, we're not going to stand as a church before the Lord. We're not going to stand as husband and wife before the Lord. We're going to stand as individuals. Why? Because God's into individual relationship. He's not into, yes, he is, he loves church community, but when we stand, we're not going to stand as a church, we're going to stand as individuals because he's in totally, totally into relationship. I want to be as close to him as I possibly can now. But I don't want to wait to heaven and find that I could have been closer to him. I want to get there as, as, in, as close to him now as I possibly can. Because he created me individual and he created me totally unique. And when he created me, he threw away the blueprint. And he created you and threw away the blueprint. Because you're individual. And you have got your names. I'll guarantee you. I've seen this over the last two years. Angels come into this room, stand behind people, and write down their decisions. And I've only seen two people, two people, put negative decisions along their name that were recorded in the book. There's no one sat here, by the way. So don't worry. It's not anybody sat here. These were, these were visitors. Didn't get it. You know, it was too much for them. You see in, in Ephesians 1, verse 4 and 5, it says, Just as he chose us in him before the foundations of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons of Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. Do you know what? We chose, just from that verse, before the foundations of this world were ever thought of, we chose to come down now. We chose to be predestined and adopted as sons of God. Can you remember Job? Job, where were you? I demand this, Job. Come on, gird up your loins, Job. Get your, get your britches up. I want, a, I want an answer from you, Job. 
I want an answer. Where were you, Job, when I, when I did this? Where were you, Job? Where? And you can read all about that. And why was God asking Job this? Because Job knew that he was standing right beside God before the creation of the world ever begun and was at his side as God created this world. In the same way, you chose and God chose you. As I keep saying, that's why you've got a, a mark on your belly button. God chose you. You're ready. You're ready. You're ready. You're ready. 2014, we were meant to be here as a body. And if you want to read the books about the books and the great judgment, just read Revelations 20, 11 to 15 in the great white throne. I, can't, I, I cannot wait for that. I cannot wait. But they will be judged, each one according to his works. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And anyone found, not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Folks, we get our rewards. People get their judgments. We get our rewards. For going through all the hardship and all the time on earth, we get our rewards. And it's all through relationship. It's so simple. So simple. I think these are probably the saddest words for me in the Bible. The saddest. Matthew 7, verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, we have, not, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, done many wonders in your name? But then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me who practice lawlessness. That should sober every one of us up. Could you imagine standing before the Lord, Lord, I did this, I did that, and you, you never knew me, because it's all about relationship. It's all about relationship, and it saddens me so much when I hear and meet Jehovah's Witnesses, you know, knocking on doors, doing all these works, which are great, they're admirable, but do they really know him? I can't answer that question because they're going to have to stand before the Lord and answer that. But how many of us are sat in churches on a Sunday? Do our lives reflect him? Do we have that personal relationship with him? Because Jesus is speaking to Christians. Do you really know him? Do you really love him? Do you live for him every day of your life? Do you want to learn from him? Do you want to listen to him and do you want to wait on him? I do. I do. Verse 2, chapter 12. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, some to shame and to everlasting contempt. See, there's going to be two types of resurrection. There's going to be the resurrection from the dead and there are going to be those who are still alive in Jesus when he comes back. There is going to be a body of people that are going to conquer death and go from this life into the thousand-year reign of Jesus not having taste death. Not having taste death. But we have a choice. I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live now in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And this is the testimony, 1 John 5, 11 and 12, that God has given us eternal life and this life is in his Son. He who has the Son of life, does, he who does not have the Son of God does not have life, but he who has the Son has life. You see, there is going to be a body of people that are going to live right the way through this, 
right the way through to the end and stand before God and get a reward. But this is where I feel the church has got completely mixed up. And I'm gonna, all I've done is just put a sub, I'm almost finished, subtitle, I've caught up. 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 17. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord of the air. And thus we shall be with the Lord forever. Can I ask you a question? Because a lot of people quote that verse saying there's going to be a rapture. Yeah, there is a rapture and it's called caught up. But it doesn't say rapture before the great tribulation, does it? Did I, did I not read that right? Do you want to get 1 Thessalonians 4, 17 up? Where people say, well, there's going to be a rapture. It says it. Here it is. Here it is. It doesn't say when the rapture is. It doesn't even use the word rapture. It, that, that word caught up is a Greek word which means harpuzo, which means literally harpooned, harpooned up. And I checked something out, Revelations 12, verse 5. It says this, she bore a male child, a man-child, the huios, right, who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up, harpuzo, same word, caught up to God and his throne. There is going to be a body of people that are going to be caught up. Folk, there are going to be two bodies of people. The first one is in Revelations 12, verse 4. That will be caught up to the throne room of God. We will be given instructions. We will be told how to do it, where to do it, and when to do it. But in 1 Thessalonians 4, there will also be a second catching up, where it all finishes. But it doesn't say that this is before the Great Tribulation, does it? It doesn't say that it's after the Great Tribulation, either, does it? When you read the whole verse folks we've got it wrong and I want to be prepared as much as I possibly can to go as far through the great tribulation as I possibly am going to go through it now if God chooses to take me out before the great tribulation mid trib post trib whatever trib whatever it is I'm alright with that (laughs) I will high-five. But what happens if we go through the whole lot? Because the Bible doesn't say that we go through, we we get taken out of this before it gets really hot. And I'm going to keep hammering this and hammering this and hammering this. Because he's preparing a body of people to rule and reign with him. From Revelations 12.5. To rule with him all nations with a rod of iron. That means with authority with authority of heaven. Why? Because we will wear his wedding ring. That's what it's talking about. There is going to be the bride that is going to be caught up and given instructions to rule with him and how to do it. All nations. I love Revelations 20, verses 1 to 6. I'm going to read the whole of this out. Because folks, this is what we're going to look forward to. This is what is coming for us. Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. He laid hold of the dragon. I love that. In other words, he's going to grab hold of the dragon by the scruff of the neck. He's going to lay hold of the dragon, the serpent of old who was the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. And he cast him into a bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal on him so that he should not deceive the nations anymore till the thousand years is finished. But after these things, he must be released for a little while. Folks, we're going to go through a thousand years of putting this, this earth right. This earth right. 
And we will do it by the side of Jesus to rule and reign with a rod of iron, with authority. And then it says, And I saw thrones, and they sat on them. Judgment was committed to them. And then I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their witness to Jesus and for the word of God who had not worshipped the beast or his image. Stop there. There are going to be people that are going to lose their lives. We're not raptured out. Otherwise, how is it that people are going to be losing their heads? They're not, we're not going to be raptured out. And we're seeing it today. We're seeing it in ISIS, going along and doing all of these things and beheading little boys and little girls, grown men and grown... You know, we're seeing it before our eyes. And they will get the crown of, of, of the martyr in heaven. And they had not received his mark on their foreheads or hands. Oh, Jesus, will you please deliver us from being raptured out before all of this happens? God, we're, 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 we're going to go through it. But here comes the good news. Here, and they lived and reigned with Jesus for a thousand years. Do you want to live and reign with Jesus for a thousand years on this earth? Yes! I want to live. I want to reign with him for a thousand years putting this world right. And we can start doing it now. We don't wait for the thousand years to start. We start now putting it right. Because even the very creation cries out for the sons of God to be revealed. We can start now putting this world right. And they lived and reigned with Jesus for a thousand years, but the rest of the dead did not live again until the thousand years. So that 1 Thessalonians 4 could be at the end of the thousand year reign. Couldn't it? Because at the end of the thousand year reign, that's when people come before the throne, the white throne, the judgment throne. But before that happens, a body of people that won't taste death will step from this life as we know it, the end of this age, and step into the thousand year age of Christ, ruling and reigning on earth. That's us. That's us. This is what I've been born for. This is what you've been born and created for. It's the fullness of our destiny. Not just now, but forever. Forever and ever. Because it says the rest of the dead did not live until the end of the thousand years. I bet how many people have seen that in the Bible. Not a lot. And it says this. This is the first resurrection. This is the first resurrection where the dead are brought back to life. Blessed and holy is he who has part in the first resurrection over such the second death has no power for they shall be priests of God and shall reign with him for a thousand years. That's us. That's us. No matter what the devil throws on this world, it cannot overcome us. Why? Because we're prepared as possibly as much as we can possibly be. There are two births. If you go through two births, as, as Jesus says to Nicodemus, if you go through two births, you only follow and have one death. Isn't that fantastic? But if you only have one birth, you'll have two deaths. Do you follow that? Sort of. First birth. Right, when you're born, you come out of your mother's womb. That's the first birth. The first death is when you're dead. The second death is when you stand before and are judged. And if your name is not found in the book of life, you suffer a second death. Do you follow me now? 
We don't have that. We have two births and one death. But some are going to have two births and no death. His bride. His bride. His bride. His bride. And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life and this life is in his son. He who has the son has life. He who does not have the son of God does not have life. We're going to start preaching that and preaching that and preaching that and we're going to lead many to righteousness. Because in verse 3, this is what I love. Daniel 12, verse 3, this is what I've been setting you up for. All the bad stuff, but here comes the good. Those who are wise shall shine. I'm getting excited, excuse me. I'm shouting, but those who are wise, you are wise. Why? Because you listen to these words. You're prepared. You're not just sitting there doing nothing. You're prepared. Those who are wise, those who are alert, it says, shall shine with the brightness of the firmament. And those who turn many to righteousness, like the stars forever and ever. That's you and me. Yes, yes, I want to be one of those stars. Do you? I want to be one of those stars, not that it's in Hollywood. I want to be one of the stars in the Hall of Fame in heaven. I want my photograph there, Andy Tiplady, 2000 and whatever. When the Lord came back, he was not found wanting. He fulfilled every part of his destiny. Every part of it was fulfilled because so must you. Fulfill the destiny that's written upon your life. I want your names to be in the Hall of Fame. Don't you? I want to be a star in heaven, not on earth. I don't want to be known on this earth as Andy Tiplady, the rugby player or the whatever. I want to be known as Andy Tiplady, the son, my bride, my precious. My precious. My precious. Ah... I want to shine for him, full stop. Nothing more, nothing less. And we're about to turn many to Christ. Those who are wise like the, will shine like the brightness of the firmament. And those who turn many to righteousness. What is that word righteousness? It's basically this. It's that we will turn many to be right with God. We're about to see the biggest revival and the biggest outpouring on a body of people, but it will not be on the body. It will be on a body of people that have made themselves ready for this. And I'll say it again. If not us, who? If not now, when? If not here, where? It is me, it is now, and it is here. And we have got to start saying that. It is me, it is now, and it is here. Now, here, me. I am going to start shining with the brightness of heaven. Because guess what, folks? It's our time to shine with the brilliance of heaven. And it's not just to bring about revival. It's about bringing heaven down on earth. It's about reformation. God's reformation. God reforming before the thousand-year reign. There is going to be a body of people that will start establishing this reign before it finishes. And then before the thousand years come in and start, we are going to start the apostolic reformation bringing heaven down to earth. Philippians 4, verse 2, verse 15 and 16. That you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. Folks, we're living in that generation as we speak. 
among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast the word of life, that you may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain or labored in vain. I ain't, listen, folks, I'm not doing this in vain. I'm doing this so we can shine. I'm doing this so we can run and not grow weary. Can I ask you questions? What's our mandate? What's our mandate? Our mandate is simply to give glory to God. That's our mandate, is to bring glory to his name. But it also incorporates the mandate of the church is to heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, drive out demons, but also to lead many to righteousness, into right standing with God, but to bring glory to his name. That's our mandate, full stop. Here's another question. When do stars come out? At night. What's that signifying? Why, why is God saying this, that it's like the stars, the firmament in the skies? Because when this world gets very dark, there are going to be stars out there shining. Do you understand? We are going to have so much of heaven on us. We're literally, and I say this, but we're literally going to have people hammering our doors down, asking for an answer. And if you want to, if you want to say to somebody, okay, um, so what do you think about the times that we're living in? That will provoke people to think. That will get a conversation going like never before. So what do you think? Are we living in the end days? What's your opinion on that? You'll provoke a conversation that you could lead them. Saying this is going to get very dark, but you know what? I'm a, sh- I- I- I'm a star. Isaiah 60 verses 2. It says, Behold, the darkness shall cover the earth and deep darkness the people. So if there's darkness on this earth and there's deeper darkness on the people, who are going to be the star- shining stars? We are. We are. Because it's going to get very dark out there, but I love it. But the Lord will arise over you. His glory shall be seen upon you. And the Gentiles, the world, shall come to your light and the kings to the brightness of your rising. That's talking about us. It's a talking about arise and shine for the light has come. You know, people are going to come and be attracted to light that we have and we're going to have the answer and the light is going to be so attractive to a lot of people and I want to shine with Jesus. I want to shine, I want to burn with fire and passion for Jesus in my belly. I want to be that star that shines with that burning light and fire. I want to be like Neville says that sent one. That will be the answer to many. And I want to set myself absolutely up for God and the Holy Spirit to set me on fire for people to come and watch me burn with a passion for him so I can bring glory to his name. I want to be the person, I want to be the person that holds the compass of truth. The compass that says, the true north is here. And I want to say, this true north heads to his name, and his name is Jesus. I want to be holding that compass. And I want to be one of the people that God puts on fire that will confound the wise of this earth by using the foolishness of this earth. I want to be standing on my hilltop on my mountaintop, on wherever God has placed us, whether it be here in Sheffield or other places, I want to be on my hilltop shining for Jesus. Don't you? Don't you? As you go, preach, saying the kingdom of God is at hand. 
Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. This is going to become a reality for us. This is absolutely on our doorstep. This is where we're at. This is about to come on us. And His Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost of fire, is going to come on us. And we've got to press into it. I love it. Matthew, uh, Mark 16, verse 15. He said to them, go into all the world. This star is going to go into the whole world. And it's going to shine in in the four corners of this earth. Preach. That the gospel is at hand to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. But he who does not believe will be condemned. It's going to be their choice. But somebody's got to carry the message to them. Unless they know who's going to... Unless they, are going to, unless they can have that point where they make a decision. But they've got to make a decision because somebody tells them. I think one of the hardest conversations I had with Heidi's uh, niece was just pointing some real truths from the Bible. You know, where she's going to have to talk to her friends, maybe, about their lifestyle and what God says about it. And it won't win her any popularity points. But folks, we've got to be the truth in love. We've got to give them that truth. But God's revival is coming on us. God is about to do what he said he was going to do, that even the greater works that you shall do than I even greater works. Jeremiah 20, verse 9, Then I said, I will not make mention of him nor speak any more of his name. But his word was in my heart like a burning fire. I want his word in my heart like a burning fire that is shut up in my bones. In other words, this isn't coming out. There is going to be a body of people that have the word of God and the spirit of God absolutely in them, burning with fire that is shut up and it cannot get out. And it says, I am weary of holding it back. I'm tired of this. I want to let go. I want to evangelize. I want to heal the sick. I want to have the crusades. I want to do all of this. But we're not at that time now. We're preparing a body of people for this. You and me. And some of us will go to other nations. Some of us will go with fear and trembling. But we will go to other nations and we will have heaven come down with us and back us up. I love this. Caleb, this is a misverse. Caleb 14, verse 24. But my servant Caleb. Do you know what Caleb means? Wise and trusty and crusty old dog. Caleb, at the end of his, his life, was a wise and crusty. He was a fighter. He was one of the, the spies, the 12 spies that Caleb came back and gave a good report right at the beginning. Come on, guys, we can take the giants. We can lop their heads off. God's given us that spirit of power and might. We can do it. This is this. And Caleb's saying, let me out, let him out. You know, steady on, Caleb. You know, hang on, we're not crossing it. No, let me out, let me out. You know, Caleb's, he, at the end of his life, he was, he was an old man, but he was, as it says, was a crusty old dog. He hadn't let go of that bone. It was shut up in his bones. The fire of God was still there. And it says... Because he was a different spirit that was in him, that they followed me fully, and I will bring into the land where he went, and his descendants shall inherit it. Some of us are going to have this on us, that we're going to cross into the promises of God. And it's you and me. If not us, then who? If not here, then where? If not now, then when? Folks, this is now. This is here. This is you that God is pointing his finger at, to bring light into the darkness in the time of trouble that Daniel is telling us is coming on this earth. 
And oh my word, there is such a time where we are literally, literally one going to day, we're literally going to wake up one day and we're going to say enough's enough. I'm going to shine with his light. And then things will start happening. We're not seeing the miracles in the same way that we are meant to be seeing them in this place, but we will see it in this place. We will see everybody coming into this place healed, delivered, set free. We're going to see very soon where there's going to be a threshold at the back of that room. As soon as they cross over, they're in the heavenly realm. They're going to fall flat and nobody's going to preach them. But we're going to, excuse me, but we're going to teach them. They're going to get it. Like that. Like that. Because somebody is going to get some light on them. Folks, that's you and me. Do you want it? Because I do. I'm ready for it. I'm ready for it. And it gets better. Daniel, uh, Daniel from, from now on it gets better. But it also gets dark. It gets really dark. But it gets better. And Daniel is telling us, this is us. This is our time. This is it. Awake and arise. The wise will shine with light when they get this. Have you got it? Have I? Have I can I ask you a question? Have I wasted my time over these last 25 weeks or plus? You know, over, over half a year. Have I really wasted my time? Or have we got it? Have we really got it? Have we really got it? We're not just getting a little bit of information. Have we got the spirit of it? That's behind this. Have you, will you be called out? I've got some exciting news for you. I've got some really exciting news in the rest of the verses of, of Daniel. Really exciting. Right away from verse 4. We looked at verse 4, but I'm going to talk about that a bit more next week. But folks, we've got to be light out there. And you're thinking, how's it going to happen? I don't know. All I've got to do is my bit. Hammer on that door until it does. And not give up. And when I look upon what's happened to me and Heidi over these last you know, few years, two, three, four years, how tough it's been. It's tough. It's tough. Our household is tough. It's tough. Why? Because God's preparing us. God's getting rid of the chaff. God's getting rid of all the, the dross. God's putting his spirit into us. And we've got to work with it. I spent some time with the Lord today. Much needed time. Where I was literally like a, a drowning man saying, God, I need to have some breath put into me. Your breath put into me. I need, and I love this time. I mean, it isn't that I'm not spending time with the Lord. I am. But there are times when you spend time in his presence. And... I feel that this is the time to go higher. This is the time where we will go higher in him and we will start getting revelation. We will start bringing it to these meetings, the revelation from heaven. I, I want to challenge you. Join me with a challenge. Do you want a challenge? Let's see whether we can go through a week without being able to say anything negative. Okay. Right? Because what will happen there is is that your spirit
will then start prompting you, that's a negative thought. Don't say it. Therefore, you're taking captive every negative thought. So if you're taking it in thought, and then you're not doing it in words, guess what? Your spirit grows. This is, this is a key to the kingdom. Your spirit grows. And your spirit starts dominating to your soul. Start dictating what you should do and what you should say and how you should be. That's going to be my goal starting on Monday morning. I'm going to try and not say anything negative. I've got three days in which to get before the Lord saying, God help me. <laughs> Heidi's going, I can't wait. But all I'm going to try and do is not say anything negative. Because if I try not to say it, I know, I know Monday morning will come and the first thing I want to do is say something negative. Because why? Because there's a battle. There's a battle in the heavenlies. But let's start doing it. Let's start, you know, just messing around. I'm not saying that we are. Let's start doing it. Listen, I love you guys. I love Matt and Kat and Jake. I love, you know. But let's do it together. This is not just Andy and Heidi's show. This is establishing his kingdom. And you might look at yourself and you might look at this world and say, how on earth is it going to get done? Well, that's the great thing about God when he said to Joshua, Joshua, I'm about to do something amazing among you, but you've never been this way before. Folks, we've never been this way before. But what the Lord said to me was this. What you saw in the Welsh revival touched the nation. What we're about to do will touch the world. Some of us have got to get some light on us for this nation. But then after this nation, when I had that experience with the Lord, before all of this, back in 1998, when I had a dream, 1998, yeah, when I had a dream about Jesus praying over the lights of the city, Jake came up and he said to us as we were coming up the hill, God, I love the lights of this city. Well, you know the story. You know, two years before me even coming to the city, God showed me the city that he was praying over it. Jesus was praying over it. You remember it? And as he prayed, he went into a whirlwind and then shot up into the sky and exploded way beyond the horizon. And I remember thinking before I had the, the terminology, this is going out to other nations. We're going to be carriers of his light. And guess when it happened, folks? In the evening, I saw Jesus praying in the evening when it was dark and the stars that went from him, shot across a, a sky full of darkness. Now's our time. And then, in 1999, a few months after Liv coming here to Uterbridge, I come to the very spot of that dream, where I saw Jesus. And it was Sheffield. That has helped me stick in through thick and thin, through the good times and the bad, that dream. But you're going to be stars now. You're going to start shining now. And I want you to start saying, me, now, here. Yes? So Father, I pray now, as we go, Lord, I pray, let these words sink in from you, Holy Spirit. Let them absolutely, as it says, let this be absolutely burnt in us 
and sealed in our bones. That we will be light to a world that will be covered in darkness and we will be light to a people covered in deeper darkness. And Father, I pray now, give us the gifts of the Spirit that we need to get this job done, to bring heaven down onto earth. Father, and I declare in this place that this house will be known as a house of miracles because you're the miracle giver. You, Holy Spirit, are the miracle enabler. And we love you. We honour you. We'll bring glory to your name, Jesus. And we will turn many to righteousness. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Folks, we've got to start praying in tongue, speaking in tongue, getting that thing in tongue in us, interceding for ourselves, for this nation, but praying more than anything that God puts his light on us and we start burning. That no more that we will get offended when people reject Jesus because they're not rejecting you, they're rejecting him. But you'll be held accountable for not telling them. But it's now, it is here, and it is you and me. Exciting stuff. God bless you. See you next week.